Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is our chief... No, you're not the chief. That's me. I'll get this right now. <laughs> our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away. It's Paul Gorst. Hi, Paul. Hello, Ian. How you doing? Oh, yeah, all good. All good. Looking forward to the end of this interminable season. It has um, gone on for a very long time. Yeah, I think Liverpool have played 10 games fewer than they did last season, but this one feels so, so much longer. But the end is in sight. It is, and also in sight of me anyway, is uh, Theo Squires, our LFC writer. Hello, Theo, how are you doing? Same as Ghosty. I echo those sentiments. Uh, very happy for the season to nearly be over and we can just enjoy the summer. Yes, but you're not going to Southampton, are no, you? No, my season's no, already over. Yeah, I've been we, on the we, beach we, we've got to go to Southampton. <laughs> uh, we'll come to that in a bit. But first of all, we will discuss um, Liverpool aren't going to be in the Champions League, Paul, after the surprise result of Chelsea losing at Manchester United, a surprise being that they actually scored a goal. Chelsea are, are obviously appalling. Mm. Uh, and while, I think it was, was it around about January when Liverpool played Chelsea and they were kind of both struggling and we've seen the difference in the teams there where Liverpool went on this great run towards the end of the season. Chelsea fell apart. It hasn't quite been enough for Liverpool to, to close the gap on Manchester United and Newcastle in the top four. Um, so they'll be fifth. We already know that. Europa League next season. And Mohamed Salah, within a couple of minutes of the final whistle at Old Trafford, was on social media basically saying he's devastated, issuing an apology and saying it's not good enough and there's no excuse for it. And yeah. he caused a little bit of a stir, didn't he, with... Also saying that now's not the time for hopeful, optimistic yeah, um, yeah. messages. But uh, Jurgen Klopp was asked about it in his press conference today, looking ahead to the uh, head to the Southampton game, and he kind of said, "Well, more or less, what did you expect?" Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because we know Sal is famously calculated when he speaks. He doesn't speak a lot to the media, so when he puts something out there, it's you know, sometimes it's it's a, a message of whatever, and very rarely he, he kind of says anything. Controversial. Um, very rarely says anything at all. Certainly through social media. So it was interesting when that almost pinged out of his drafts. He, he's probably had that one waiting for a few months, hasn't he? Um, totally devastated. Um, repeated use of the word we. Accepted that it was a failure. Um, and it was interesting. Like, like you mentioned, there, there's no time for optimism or you know positive thinking. You know, I think the idea was that Liverpool players need to reflect upon. What has been a failure of a season, ultimately, you know, going to finish fifth. It's the lowest they've been for 2016, is it? Yeah. Um, so that's a good few years, really, when you think about it. They're always certainly the lowest Salah's finished as a Liverpool player. So I can definitely see the point of, of saying it. And I hope it's a reflection of the general mood in the, in the dressing room, because... You see it also after not when teams lose and you know they thank the they thank the fans but you know for travelling or whatever it is and they're almost kind of generic platitudes but this one you can tell it meant something uh, and I hope that Liverpool players kind of hold on to this this feeling now for the next few weeks and use it you know going forward for the pre season use it for the start of next season and then build from there because 
Um, it was refreshing, I thought. And Klopp obviously asked for a little bit of a different slant on things and a bit of a brave face and maybe a little bit of sugar coating. But I actually thought it was quite um, refreshing that Salah said what he did. Do you agree with that, Theo? Or do you think... And what I found quite funny is that it's like Salah seems incredibly surprised that this has just happened. Mm. Like, mm. he's like absolutely shocked at Liverpool. Whereas I think for a lot of people, certainly the fans, certainly the journalists, I think us three, we know months ago they were never going to finish in the top four. They would just wait until it was mathematically certain. But from a positive point of view, if you want to be positive, the fact that it's taken until four day, days before the end of the season for Liverpool to finally not be in the Champions League, that that Jurgen Klopp was saying at the press conference. He didn't say that but as such, but the end of the season where I think Liverpool have taken 22 from 24 points, they've got a new formation, they're obviously going to be making new signings. He was actually quite optimistic and he was quite keen to go, well, this season's done now. We've, we've spoken about it all season about how it's been so rubbish and the reasons why. But now it's looking ahead and I know I, I posted something similar last night and I can suggest that on social media there's an awful lot of Liverpool fans who don't really see any hope for the club anymore and as though they possibly <laughs> need to disband and you know they think that what is it there's, there's, there's no club that's been run worse and this that and the other which is obviously one end to it has Jürgen Klopp gone too far the other or, or is he doing what needs to be done now because realistically as we know this season's done all he can do now is look forward to the next one uh, well he's got to get that balance right as much as you can feel sorry for yourself and say Liverpool have failed they've not qualified for the Champions League for a variety of reasons, they've still got to pick themselves up and go again next year. And there are positives to take out of these last two months. These last two months, Klopp's been coming out and saying regularly, we're not going to get in the Champions League. There's no way Newcastle and Manchester United are dropping the points. But he, said, he said he said it twice now. He said that with 10 games to go, we didn't even think they'd finish fifth or get yeah. into the Europa League. So, so it's so. a surprise that they've actually done that. And that shows there's still some fighting spirit there. I see what you mean with like Salah coming out as though he was surprised because you think, well, how long has he actually thought that the Champions League wasn't yeah. going to happen? Like Liverpool, in some, ways, in some ways that's good though, isn't it? Because that shows the mentality of yeah. somebody who's was yeah. willing to give absolutely everything up to the last minute. Well, there's always that then I suppose difference to what Klopp's saying publicly and what they're actually feeling in the dressing room. Like when he's saying, "Oh, we've given up," because he doesn't. It's a fool's errand if they're going for it. The dressing room haven't given up. They're still trying to fight for it in case it happens. But then we've seen that in the past, whether it was competing with City for titles or when they were storming to winning the league themselves. It's like, oh, we don't talk about it, we don't think about it. Then as soon as they've won about it, oh yeah, we've been talking about it since we beat Manchester United in, what was it, January, December time. It's always that, what well, it looks best publicly. And Salah's going to be hurting. Like He needs to be playing in Champions League football, doesn't he? He wants to win Ballon d'Or. He's like this elite player. Hang on, are you suggesting that he should leave? No, I'm not. <laughs> but <laughs> I like, you like. think um, those, those records about Messi and Ronaldo, like it took them well until their mid-30s, late-30s before, oh, they've not even reached the knockout stages and wasn't it only last year. Ronaldo's in the Europa League for the first time. So it's going to be hurting Salah. But then I think it feels a little bit differently to when Liverpool have been in the Europa League before. Because there you're expecting, oh, Steven Gerrard might leave. But then you sort of Liverpool are flirting between the two competitions, trying to get into one and establish themselves. Whereas now, yeah, it's deflating. They're not going to be in the Champions League. But can anyone really say without confidence they're not going to be in it next year? Like You expect them to just bounce back, have a good summer and use this feeling. And the fact that Klopp's come out and said that uh, when he's talking about signings and stuff, it's not about the Champions League. He doesn't want any of these players to be motivated purely on the Champions League. There's enough in this camp to turn it around next year, you'd imagine. be interesting next season, though. I'm having a conversation with somebody after the press conference, and not only have you got Liverpool, City United, Newcastle, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, suddenly there's seven teams there who will think they've got a very good chance of getting in to the top four, and it could be top five next year with the, the new rules coming mm. in. 
but that still means that two of them miss out. But as, as Theo's just said, if there's anybody who thinks Liverpool aren't or don't have a chance or aren't favourites to finish in the top five next season, it, that seems a little bit strange, doesn't it? Yeah, Liverpool have had probably their worst season on the game club and they've only missed out on the top four after 37 games. So certainly they've got to improve, we know that. Um, I'd actually, you know, state saying that before this season's even finished, I don't think Liverpool will finish below second next season. That's I think. Um, you said this last time, though. In fact, you said you didn't think yeah, they'd no, finish I, below yeah, first. That's true, yeah. <laughs> we'll wait until the transfers happen before I make such yeah, a Yeah, I just think New, Newcastle have <clears throat> overperformed, to be fair to them. Um, they're, again, they're in the Champions League now with players like Dan Byrne and Sean Longstaff and Elliot Anderson. And, you know, fair play to them. Really, Matt Ritchie's still there. Yeah, they've did had you see, Did you see Dan Byrne's interview today, or was it yesterday, no. where he was talking about basically... Um, he's a bit sad because this group of players has achieved this, and now we're up. he kind of was suggesting they're all going to get split up because loads of players are going to sign. So yeah, I mean they've certainly got the money to do that, haven't they? And now with the Champions League, they've got the the pull to do it. They've got the sport and pull as well as the financial one. But it's going to take another extraordinary season for them to to be where they are again. I reckon. Um, I think it's difficult. I think the. Plenty of reasons for people to be glass half empty and plenty of people to be the opposite with Liverpool season. It's um it's not been a good one by any stretch, but I think certainly since the beginning of April there've been enough signs that have encouraged me to think that next season means that it's gonna be very different. We're all looking at this from the Liverpool bubble and you've got to think of the sides that have also missed out on the Champions League. Like City have got the best squad in Europe by far. They've got that strength and depth. They're never gonna miss out. But the three teams that are in the top four alongside them next year last year have all missed out. And you think you look at it, it's been a strange season with the mid season World Cup. These sides haven't been able to rotate in the Champions League when it was playing every midweek, every weekend, whereas the sides in the Europa League, Newcastle not even in Europe, they haven't had the same strains on their squad. I'm not saying it's purely down to injuries or how much the strain's been put on the players. Liverpool have underperformed, Chelsea have underperformed, Tottenham have underperformed. But it's still it's going to have a bearing on there. Like Klopp said countless times how they've had to play catch-up because when one player gets injured, another gets injured. Yeah. And it's that knock-on effect. So the fact that all three teams have had poor seasons when they've had those extra strains and sides have been able to benefit, you'd like to think that in a more traditional season next year, longer pre-season, no World Cup in the middle of it, we'll get a bit more normality. But then as Doyle said, seven teams competing for it. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting. But then we thought, was it last year? Oh, it's going to be a four-team title race. The only reason it didn't end up being a one-team title race was because Liverpool turned it around second half of the season. As you've just said, Liverpool second. If they're at the best, no reason why they can't be at least second. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Klopp was feeling quite chatty in his press conference today. You could tell that he was quite happy that uh, he doesn't have to do this again yeah. for quite a while, so he's getting a lot of things off his chest. Uh, he was asked about transfers, and he, uh, he he said it was it was it depends how you view it. It's right. He said, yeah, I don't think not being in the Champions League will have too much effect. He says, and hopefully we'll get it in most of our stuff done in the next six or seven weeks, which 
a lot of people again on social media immediately when that came out took that as a negative. It's like, well, hang on, they don't come back to yeah. training for another six weeks. So still, that's still uh, and, and they, exactly, yeah, it's still still May. It doesn't officially open till July, and we know that a lot of deals will get done over the next couple of weeks. But it's Liverpool have still got an awful lot of time before they actually get back and start training to actually get this stuff done. So it doesn't, but you know, the minute the final whistle goes at Southampton on Sunday doesn't mean that on Sunday. I hope it's not anyway because we're going yeah. out for a drink. Um, but <laughs> we can't be doing any stories, writing any stories on Sunday nights. But uh, that Liverpool is just going to sign players straight off because there's an awful lot of moving parts. And as we've said so many times on this podcast and written it, there's an awful lot of other teams who need an awful lot of other players. Yeah, the World Cup was mid-season, not as many, a load of players would move after that, didn't really happen because it was in January, and they're all going to be moving now, so it's going to be busy, and it might take a t- some time, but Klopp is quite keen on getting it done before July the 8th. Yeah, I, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but it still was a little bit, the, the, the amount of pushback I've seen from that, that quote. It was almost like people thought six or seven weeks meant that it was going to be like transfer deadline day or something, and the season was already underway and whatever, and Liverpool were scrabbling around trying to see whoever they could get. Um, six, seven weeks, like you say, is still, you know, before yeah. pre-season. Yeah, and we know the club's going to go on holiday at some point. Yeah. What are the fans um, going to say? Don't you dare do that? Yeah. Well, he's, in the past, he has interrupted his holidays it by sorting it out It doesn't matter if he does or yeah. he doesn't. He's not the one who's... He's essentially there. He might be needed for a Zoom call for a potential <laughs> transfer tie, a la Luis Diaz or whatever, but I think it's going to be a busy June for some of the lesser-known faces at Liverpool, should we say, people who are tasked with recruitment. Um, might be for you as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I was looking at it actually the other day, and Liverpool had done their business by mid-June. They obviously already sorted Fabio Carvalho, Darwin Nunes was wrapped up quite quick, and then they signed Calvin Ramsey, and I think that was... 19th of June, I think I saw on the date. And that was Liverpool's incomings done, wasn't it? Apart from Arthur Mello, and you know, we can debate that as a kind of special case. So, in an ideal world, they get done quickly and they're all in for pre-season, which is what the plan still is. Um, now, you could argue that Liverpool are after a different type of player than they were 12 months ago. You know, Calvin Ramsey, young squad player with potential. Fabio Carvalho's contract was up, he was playing in the Championship, young player. <coughs> and Nunes is effectively a man of replacement. But um, Liverpool have proven that they don't really mess about. When, once they decide the supplier they want, they go and get it done pretty quickly, don't they? Look at Cody Gakpo in, in December. You know, Julian Ward's working over Christmas Eve, Christmas night and Boxing Day just to get it over the line. And I, I imagine it's going to be something similar in, in June. This is what I always enjoy about the summer transfer window. Like, Ideally, you want it all done early. You want it all before pre-season. And Liverpool do traditionally try and do that. Other clubs do not. So as soon as you get to the start of pre-season, Liverpool are predominantly done. Then the fans are still not happy because they want more signings yeah. because Manchester do, 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 United are signing something. Yeah, they want, some, mm. they want something in July. They want something in August. Yeah. And Liverpool are done weeks in advance. Um, but yeah, if you got it all done early, that means you got the full pre-season and everything's yeah. looking a lot more solid. Do, do, we, do we like sagas? I think we do from a from a work point of view. Depends if they end successfully. They yeah. don't really have to, do they? Really? If, if well, you enjoyed the Jude Bellingham it. saga? Um, no. Well, the... Fakir, that was a saga, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that was a saga, yeah. Whereas Virgil van Dijk, did you enjoy that saga? Well, only because we knew exactly what was going to happen. There you, you go. You know what I mean? We knew Has how it was going to end. We, we could never write it. <laughs> no. I think, the, obviously, the closer... If you're doing deals on transfer deadline day, it's normally an indicator that... Especially incomes that you've left it a bit too late and it's, it's a bit of a mistake. So, the general feeling is, the longer you leave it, the more of a, a mistake it is. So... I'm not shocked to hear Klopp say it might take six, seven weeks, but on the flip side, that's 
that'd be a, a conservative time frame, I guess. I'm going to put you on the spot now, guys. I'm going to put cool. you on the spot. Two questions. The first one, and I just want a number. How many players do you think, bearing bear, bear in mind who you might think might leave, how, how many players would you not be surprised that Liverpool signed in the summer in a, as a minimum? Just a number. That's all I need for now. Four. Four. I think four as well. What do you think? Four. Four? Well, oh, depends on the goalkeepers. You, oh, I just wanted numbers. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and the second question is, can you name me one player who, you're, who you would put money on or be your favourite to sign for Liverpool this summer? No. You have to. You have to. <laughs> you have to. One that you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, you've got to say a player. Yeah, yeah. The player? Alexis McAllister? I say Alexis McAllister as well. Yeah, after this week, it's probably McAllister. But then things happen and change quickly. They do. So My concern now is if, if they don't get him, is who is who is option C? Because let's face it, Bellingham's option A and maybe might be harsh on McAllister, but he's who they've turned their attention to since but Sheldon Bellingham plays. They'll be somebody with the same profile though, won't it? So it's got to be a, well, a similar quality. This is what this week, hasn't I? Because you could argue Graven Birch, um, Mount and McAllister, B and C. At least with Salah, he he was option four, wasn't he? he was option D, so they got to strike gold like was that he? again. Yeah, because they went with um, Draxler, Pulisic, and Brand. Well, Brand was really the only one they were definitely going for, wasn't he? But it was time. each window before. I don't remember Draxler really yeah. being linked. We wrote it. The times Paul Joyce. No, that's The times Paul Joyce wrote that. It's going back years, like. Yeah, but things change over over that's over certain transfer windows. This would be over certain weeks in a transfer window, so. We wait and see, but yeah, I think we've all put our money where our mouths are. Oh well, two of us have. One of us <laughs> has decided to take the fifth. It's kind of Theo. You don't really. Did you give, did you give Santa? Did you say McAllister? You yeah, really? McAllister. Okay, fine. Let, well, one player who might be leaving Liverpool in the summer is Fabio Carvalho. Klopp wasn't asked about him, no? but brought him up anyway <laughs> in the press conference when he was talking about the actual question. Wasn't it about? You're thinking of letting any of the younger players go on loan, and I think the, the, the counter inference was you're signing lots of players. There's uh, Curtis Jones, there's Harvey Elliott, there's Stefan, and I literally found out how to pronounce his name yesterday, and Pashetich. I've already forgot. What was it? Pashetich. There you go. That's how you pronounce it. Um, so just put a sh in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, bash. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then he just came back to the question a bit later on and just went, oh, mm. I've forgotten Fabio Carvalho, and then said, yeah, well, we might consider putting him out on loan. He kind yeah. of hinted at it a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was interesting, that, wasn't it? I think he said a couple of weeks ago that we're going to have talks around yeah. it and see what's what. Because the story came out that he was going to leave. And obviously it? those yeah. talks Not must have taken place. Because mm. um, it, it was unprompted, wasn't it? Which was interesting, the fact that he said, oh, oh yeah, and by the way, I think Fabio Carvalho is going to go out on loan. And you know, for a manager who doesn't give a lot away, the fact that he gave that away... When he wasn't even asked about it. I suspect he was trying to make the point about he wanted to get it across to Carvalho's attitude because he was he yeah. spoke very glowingly. Yeah, yeah he, he did, didn't he? I mean, he, uh, that's how he works, doesn't he? You know, there's a, a manager who previously likened Nat Phillips to Robert Lewandowski in terms of improvements. And when there's a player who they're happy to maybe ease towards the exit door, they get built up a little bit. And that's manager, you know, 1A of, of, of the tricks, isn't it? Tricks of the trade. Um I hope it only is alone. I'm still not entirely convinced where his best position is or how he's best used. But there's certainly a player in, in Carvalho. Um, I hope it's alone to a Premier League team further down the league where he's going to be playing a lot more regularly and we can start to see him in the Premier League more often and, and see if he is someone who's going to be suitable for the long term. He's still only 20, 21, is he? Theo, is he one of these players that's kind of, when they brought him in, 
they were going to use him prim- primarily as an attacker, one of the three. Probably use the backup to Salah possibly on the right. Um, but because of the way that the season's gone and the team have played and the players were missing and the need to new formation, that he's his development's been hampered by the fact that he hasn't been able to follow the path that Liverpool would have wanted him to because they didn't expect to be struggling down in mid-table for an awful lot of the season. Yeah, they'd have expected to give him more minutes for sure, even if it's just going further in the domestic cups. They only made eight, he only made eight starts this season. Well, I mean, he could, he could easily start against Southampton. Yeah. But, but like you think the domestic cups last year, they got to the, the final of both, they won both. Those are their extra games. Or if you're winning games in the Premier League more comfortably, you can bring him on for 20 minutes here and there, mm. give him more opportunities. And it just so happened that they had injuries. They had to stick with the experienced players who were more proven. And then he was used less and less. Like Gorsty said, we still don't really know his best position. When he came in, Klopp said, you can play him as an eight, you can play him as a, a 10, a nine, a winger. And you look at him and he, he doesn't have the pace for some. He doesn't have the phys- physicality for others. And the full don't play with a 10. But that, that'll be why it goes out on loan to really find his position. And we saw it work so well for a Harvey Elliott a couple of years ago. Like There is sense in letting him go. Like One of the things is squad registration he's under 21 so he doesn't have to be registered for premier league but he would need to be registered for europa league squad so that's an extra space you can have in the squad by just loading them out for a year but then at the same time he is one of those players if he was still around you said would thrive playing europa league football for a year that could give him lots of opportunities but it's one where you let him go for a season and then reassess next summer what has he done in this year is he good enough to make that step I know Gorsty said Premier League clubs, so you think even a return to Fulham would be good for him. But he's also got his admirers abroad, like Porto. Um, I think they were linked with him in the first place. Dortmund. Dortmund. Mm -hmm. And even like a club like Wolves, for example, like you think they've got that big Portuguese contingent there. They're going to lose players this summer. They're struggling with FFP, so they might have to look for loan signings. There are places around that would be good fits for him but you need to get this loan move right for him so then he's in the best place to kick on afterwards when he's back at Liverpool. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a win-win for Liverpool because... They're not really going to miss him if he goes on loan. You're not going to look at any games Liverpool won't win next season. I think if only they had Fabio Carvalho. That's been the issue this year, there's, isn't it? There's the pull quote from all the... the <laughs> but but on, on the flip side, <laughs> you can send them on loan and if he develops into the player who obviously Liverpool think they have on the hands, then you can bring him back in with that experience and, and the consistency to his game. Or if not, if he goes and has a great season and his team's knocking on Liverpool's door and, and they've already got signed three or four in last summer they can move them on at a profit so uh, I think a lot of that makes sense The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Just Again talking about Cavalio, you also mentioned a couple of other players um, who may go out on loan you looked at Tyler Morton, he mentioned Connor Bradley, who he said has come back. He says, what did he say? He said he's grown, didn't he? He says yeah. looks like he's grown. Yeah. Shocked, shocked by his growth, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, and these are players who certainly Tyler Morton played last season a couple of games. He, he made debuts in all the competitions, didn't he? Because he, he, he played in the... He played in the Premier League as well. Uh, Tottenham, wasn't it? When there was that, yeah. you know, there was a lot of players. When missing, they, wasn't the there? feud with the officials first kicked off again. Yes. Kicked up again. Um, San Siro? And Con- yeah, that's right. Played there as well. Connor Bradley, of course, played for your former club, Bolton, uh, <laughs> and what a, what a trophy played at Wembley. He didn't quite make the playoff final. He's been doing a really easy tour at the moment. Yeah. Connor. Well, this is the thing: is that, but bearing in mind that they got the Europa League coming up, are Liverpool perhaps a bit more minded to keep hold of these players, or is that a little bit selfish because, you know, they could keep them for these games, but for them as individual footballers, it might be better, for example, for Tyler Morton to go out on loan to a Premier League team this season. It might be the same for for Connor Bradley as well. Uh, I think they're going to have to take it 
case by case and it just depends what they do in the transfer market in terms of players coming in because you could say if they went and signed a senior right back so they could play Trent more in midfield as an option and they didn't get the three midfielders then you could argue well Bradley should go out online you don't need him around and then it's also with these players it's the Europa rules like Calvin Ramsey is in that Carvalho bracket as well so he's one you think definitely give him a loan so he can go and play games and then what's the knock-on effect for the likes of Bradley uh, Tyler Morton I think it depends also how they do in pre-season like Stefan Pesetic when Bashetic as soon as <laughs> <laughs> the season started if we'd said at the start of pre-season he is going to be in the first team plans he is going to make X amount of appearances even though we'd and seen him for the academy sides, we wouldn't have predicted that would have been quite the rise he'd have made. You'd think another good year in the Inter-21s, maybe alone if he needs it. He completely skipped that step. Mm. So if Morton or Bradley come back and they're, they're superb after a good season on loan and the part of the first-team pitcher, great. If they need that middle step and another loan is there, then that it comes into consideration as well. But it's all spinning your plates at the moment. They've got six, seven weeks to make these decisions, see who comes in. And then just assess it all in pre-season for who is knocking out that door to be starting. Disqualifying for the Europa League, does that mean there's more chance of Cleveland Kelleher staying at Liverpool? Because you would imagine that might be a competition where he'd be asked to play. <clears throat> Don't know about that one, actually. I think yes, after Klopp's quotes the other week. Yeah. Remind the, the listeners <laughs> and me what, what he said. <laughs> he was um, shocked at the suggestion that Kelleher was going to go and was saying. She had to take an extraordinary yeah, offer. Extraordinary offer. I, we, we think that might be, yeah. He's, but, again, but again, it goes back to what you were saying about what was it management. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying that you're just building him up, but you don't really have to build up Keller. The only problem with Keller is that he's not been seen for the best part of a year. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure how much of a weekend team. He's going to play in the Europa League, to be honest. He, I mean, he was talking in his press conference today, wasn't he, glowingly about the Europa League, which he has to to an extent, but I don't think he's going to be going into those group games in the same way he would do, you know, getting Derby County at home earlier this season. No, I don't he... think it'll be like that, but you look at what he did when he first joined in the Europa League, he did use the early games, certainly up until the, the last 16 game, I think it was against... United it was wasn't it the last 16 game against United he tended to rotate players but from that point on he yeah, kind youngsters, of invested he? a bit like, more um, yeah. Brannigan Connor Randall seemed to play Jordan Ibe scored didn't he yeah Rossiter had a couple of games didn't mm. he in your opening yeah to share them he, he playing around then yeah that's right so the, but again that was a completely different Liverpool team with a yeah. manager who'd just come in so you can't really compare them that much but it does hope that the, for example there would be no chance of Kelleher being the Champions League goalkeeper if they were it'd be Alisson wouldn't yeah. it yeah but, the Europa League does offer that kind of alternative, and it probably for even Allison, he'd be more. He will, he, you know, he could understand it a bit more than perhaps if he was playing in the Champions League. Yeah, but then you get into the this idea of you know Klopp Cafe for the Kelleher for the Carabao Cups, didn't he? I think Allison only played once last season when the pool won it. Was it the 0-0 yeah. against Arsenal? Um, played him in the final, which was a brave call, which obviously paid off. You didn't agree with that, did you? I don't think I did no. at the time. No, but obviously proven to be the right decision. Um, I just wonder whether that would be the case for the Europa League. Certainly, you, you can make a case for outfielders and say your centre-back burning might be Matip and Gomez and your midfield three might be, you know, whoever, Curtis Jones, Elliot, Machete, whoever. I just, I'm just not sure about the goalkeeper on, on that one. I think it might be Anderson ahead of Gallagher. I think it depends on the talks they have behind the scenes. Like, if Kelleher says, I want to start games, I'm pushing on for that now. Yeah. And they, they've got a difficult decision he's, to make. He's 24, he's yeah. not 19. Like he needs 20, those opportunities. Then maybe it's something they'll dangle in that bone. It's like, stay for another year. 
will give you this opportunity. That's something else to entice him to stay. But then if there's a good offer for him to be your first choice somewhere and you can put a buyback in it in two, three years' time when you may think Alisson might move on and you want to replace him, unless there's another completely different goalkeeper they fancy in the academy anyway. But yeah, it just depends again on offers, what happens in the weeks ahead. Yeah, I think uh, looks like, like Adrian might be staying as well. Yeah. yeah. I think Liverpool kind of broke the mould with goalkeepers now with Alisson. You know, the, the amount of money they paid for him, it shows you how they differently they're thinking about the, the position in the in this day and age. Atterberg's been central to that, hasn't he? Like what he mm. said um, they're saying about him scouting goalkeepers and they just seem so on point with it when it's bringing in youngsters like Pitaluga or anything. And you think they've got so many youngsters go out on loan who've had good stints as well at varying levels. Yeah, they might not all make it at Liverpool, but they're having decent careers elsewhere. Like you think of Grabara, Polish lad, who's in the, the World Cup squad. Makes a, a big difference to a few years ago when it seemed to be a, a problem position for Liverpool. Mm. Um, does Jaros play for Stockport? Yes, he, play, he... He, um, he was first choice, got an injury, and then the manager said that the replacement's been so good. He has to slip up for you to get back, and he hasn't. But Jaros yeah. has been on the bench the playoff push. So he'll be going to Wembley, won't he? Yeah. Yeah, they did win, didn't they? Beat Salford. Mm-hmm. Gary Neville Salford. Yes. They were defeated, yes. Uh, just going slightly off topic, um, this is a, just a little debate I was having uh, earlier today. If West Ham win the Europa Conference League, if they had a better season than Arsenal? <laughs> no. No? I, I would say yes. I would say 100% yes. Arsenal I mean, going to the Champions League, that was their ambition. It depends how, how much you want to how much importance you want to put on that Europa Conference League? I mean, well, it's a trophy for West Ham, and they never win. That's anything. what I mean. It's a European trophy, not necessarily the one that those who follow and cover Liverpool would argue it's a major one. But for West Ham fans, it is, isn't it? So, don't know. Knows he went swinging them digs for nothing, was he? <laughs> and and this is the thing about optics. If Manchester United win their next two games against, is it Fulham last game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fulham at home and Man City in the FA Cup final. They'll have won exactly the same trophies that Liverpool won last year and only finished one place below them in the league. Have Man United had as anywhere near as good a season this year as Liverpool had last year? No, because I think a lot has to be said for being in the title race until the last 10 minutes of the season and then having a Champions League final to, to play in. You know, obviously... Hey, don't knock United here. They had a nice week and a half when they were in the title race before <laughs> yeah. they came to Anfield. And the reason I'm asking that, because that brings us back then to Liverpool finishing fifth. Because Klopp said something like, if we'd literally have got finished fourth, it would just be seen as a normal yeah, season yeah. for Liverpool. But that fifth it isn't. And if they beat Southampton on the last day of the season, they'll have 69 points, which is the amount of points they had when they finished third two years ago. I don't know, it's every season's different and whatever have you. But that they finished so strongly, like they finished last season so strongly, and the season before that so strongly, mm. and the season before that they'd already won the league and so they lost a couple of games, but they still got 99 points. And the season before that strongly... They still have that in them, don't they? To when that business end of the season comes, yeah. they can turn it on and they know how to deliver. And that is what they have to take into next season, where they weren't able to do it th- this time around because of all the factors we mentioned a million times over: lack of rest, lack of proper pre-season, playing so many games last season. So I know that, again there are some fans who have who think hope is all over and there's no reason for optimism. Klopp going back to what we mentioned before he isn't misplaced in coming up with some optimism but he's not like put it on he's not just saying it for effect is he yeah no no it, it just depends on like I said before what camp you're in really doesn't it um, <coughs> I just think Liverpool left it just a bit too late um, 
that Bournemouth defeat was the killer yeah. for me. It came a week after they beat United 7 And who missed a penalty that day? Yeah. So do you wonder whether that, a little bit of that's playing on his mind? No, no. I, I just think he's just an elite performer, isn't he? And probably she, she's as a bit of an affront that he's not going to be mm. knighting up the Champions League next season. Did you find it an affront as an elite journalist that you're not rest on it? <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I whatever, couldn't even get through that. Whatever I couldn't that laughing. Yeah. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. All right, we'll look then to Southampton. Um, we mentioned before about Klopp and the players. Uh, he might be changing some of them, but we will be changing some of them. Who they're going to be now, we will now discuss mm. as we discuss the team selector. So now we look ahead to Southampton. Who are you having in goal? I would go for Keller. Yeah, and I'm still I'm still sticking with Allison. See so no reason to play your, your best goalkeeper. Because I'm on the beach. What's the point? <laughs> Allison can't win the Golden Glove. Uh, give Keller Keller a game. Why not? Defense. Defense. Trent can keep his place because he's been doing so well, and that's his position. Uh, Robertson's got a knock, hasn't he? So Simicast can be left back. Van Dyke can keep his place. Former club, get a few boos. I'm sure he will love that. And then I'll make a change at centre back. And I'll go Gomez over Matip, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes Matip over Gomez. Well, Robertson's a doubt, isn't he, with a, with a groin issue? So no point risking him. Simicast, Trent, Canate, and Van Dyke otherwise. Hey, Canate did say he was unwell, didn't he, this week? Oh, he did, Canate, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Go on, I'll, I'll bring in. Um, Matip for that one. Then. I'll bring in Matip as well. So it's been Matip, Simicast, Trent and Van Dijk. Midfield? Jones. Elliot. Milner. Give Milner a little send-off. Uh, Jones, Elliot. I think Fabinho keeps it. I think the departing players that's just substitute duty for the final hurrah. Yeah, it's a tough one whether they... Yeah. I mean, I've, I think I'll play Jones and Elliot. They both started that game last year. Uh, That's my thinking. Yeah, and I will play... Not play Mello now. Uh, <laughs> I'll let him... I'll, to be fair, I will have him on the bench and I'll bring him on. Right, at some point. It's only fair. Uh, now I'll go Milner as well, actually. Milner as well. And up front then, Theo? Salah starts because he's still going for that 20th Premier League goal. And I think if it's one goal or one assist, something like that, he's his second best season ever in terms of goal contributions and goals. If Nunes is fit, Nunes can start, try and finish the season strongly. And then Diaz or Jota on the left. Let's go Diaz because he's just come back from injury. It's a few more minutes in his legs. I I mean, I'd play Jota left, uh, Nunes down the middle and Salah on the right. Yeah, I think I'd go with that. Um, Just give Nunes a little bit of a run out to end the season if he is fit. Salah, obviously, like Theo says, going for the, the targets. And yeah. What, what do we think then for a scoreline? What score do you reckon Southampton are going to win? <laughs> <laughs> there's always, there's I, I, there's I, there's a, going to be, I reckon it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. I think Liverpool will win 5-2. Yeah, and there's always there's always a big score at the end of the season. Mm. And I think it could be, a, I was going to call it the Delft, show me eight there. <laughs> going to be at St Mary's on, on Sunday. You can go the Delft, we'll yeah. drop you off there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what, I'm going to say 6-1. <laughs> uh, I said 3-1 with Fitzy, so I'll go 4-1 today. Can you imagine if Christian Walsh was still on that podcast now? What score he'd come up with now? He'd be like about 31 mil to Liverpool <laughs> or something like that. And on that unlikely bombshell, we'll finish. Uh, Paul, how, where can we find you on Twitter? Um, not many places. Uh, at PT Ghost is my Twitter handle. And on there, they also find where to get you at Facebook, Instagram. Yes. And have you got TikTok? No. That's because you are a grown adult mm. like me. I don't have it either. Uh, Theo, you are at the... Theo, Theo Squires, Squires Echo. Echo. Same on Instagram. I've got a blue tick on Facebook now. Have you? Yeah. 
And he took I don't I know why. What's going on? <laughs> right. Oh. Well, I genuinely am the real Ian Doyle at Ian Doyle Sports, and you can find where else going there. And uh, join us next week where we will look back at Liverpool's hefty defeat at Southampton, <laughs> probably, and we will all be celebrating the end of the season. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.